0: everybody. Welcome to It's Okay to Ask Questions, an NBC Chicago production. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. I host a show here in Chicago called Chicago Today. And my co-host here, DS, tell him what you do here.
2: Hi, this is DS. I'm a producer here and I'm very excited to produce this show. I know. I'm so happy you're a part of this, like yeah. truly.
0: So It's Okay to Ask Questions was kind of birthed out of the idea of like it was a brainstorm thing that we were having with right. co-workers and we wanted to figure out a different way to talk about pride mm-hmm. that we haven't done here in chicago right, right. um we didn't want to just like highlight new rainbow products right <laughs> exactly. like how many times have you seen that on a show so
2: many <laughs> times so all the time every year so that's why i'm like we need something different
0: right we mm-hmm. were looking for something deeper something more thoughtful something more uh, something that would tell the story mm-hmm. about these wonderful people that we've picked for this series. Right. It's um, its really near and dear to my heart. I've never actually done anything like this. Have you ever worked on a project this in depth?
2: No, but also I love the whole theme of it. It's okay to ask questions because r- lately it's kind of scary to ask questions sometimes. That is the reason that, that that's the
0: reason we decided to name it It's Okay to Ask Questions because it's as simple as that. It. It is, damn it. Yeah. And and people are scared. And I think even allies within the queer community are nervous mm-hmm. about asking the wrong thing. Right. Like, For example, this is one of the most common right now, being non-binary. Like, you, people don't know how to ask what it is, what it means, the pro- proper grammar for they and he and she and all of that. So these are some of the the questions that we are asking and you don't have to be queer to listen to this podcast, there's something that anyone can take away from it. For example, uh, two of our producers are straight and they were walking away with their jaws on the floor many times, just so shocked by what they were learning, but also connecting to the stories that our guests were sharing. And that's when I knew, okay, this is
2: going to be something special. Absolutely. Even as queer people, me and ourselves, I think there is a lot that we learned about other side of that LGBTQIA, that letters, right? That- oh, well,
0: that's it. Just because, well, I guess we should tell the viewers, like I am a gay man. You're a gay man. We're, we're both cis gender, And... The, just because we are part of the queer community doesn't make us an expert in any way. Right. It really doesn't. That is what I loved about getting to know some of my neighbors in this way. So we have some incredible guests coming up this season. Uh, one of which you're actually, you're actually editing the episode. So mm-hmm. we're, we're doing a video component and this podcast component. Right.
2: Justin Trencher. Yeah. If you heard of just, uh, if you heard of Justin Bieber, sorry, Cake by the Ocean. Uh,
0: Wait, what are these songs? I've never heard of them. No, kidding. (laughs) Like, they are one of the biggest songwriters in the country, uh, in the world, actually, like a globally renowned pop star writer, Selena Gomez, um, you name it, they've worked with them. Uh, We also have ER Fightmaster. Yes. I mean, the first non-binary
2: doctor to be on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. I was just watching the fan edits of the romance in the show, and it's, it's hot. So, oh, no.
0: I mean, TikTok is all over this all over. relationship, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing where they go in the next season. Uh, we also have world-renowned artist Nick Cave. Oh, I mean, I, so I didn't know about Nick Cave. Oh, you're, the, you're actually the person who suggested to use Nick Cave. I
2: am obsessed with Nick Cave. Yeah. Uh, I've been to a lot of his exhibit and it's beautiful, just beautiful. But I was always kind of scared to ask questions about Nick cave because the were you you intimidated? Oh, well, because you were intimidated by how smart, How smart, how deep, how artsy
0: everything is. His art is like the artiest of art, if that makes sense to anybody who's out there. Um, He has works that have been sold to the following. Madonna, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama too, that's included. uh, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Rihanna. uh, Some of his work is in the Guggenheim. It's here in the Art Institute here in Chicago. I, I mean... A legend within the art world has created such stunning pieces. And he and his husband, Bob Faust, who we want to learn a bit about your relationship with your husband. Right, Bob is Nick's husband and collaborator in all things. And their story of how they came together is beautiful and incredible. So that's an episode you're definitely going to want to check out. Another one of our episodes features Pigeon Pagonis, who is an intersex activist And this is one of our most powerful episodes. Absolutely.
2: Because most people don't really know about intersex and how that relates to all the other topics like transgender, queer. So that was really eye-opening episode for me. The
0: I in the LGBTQIA. And most times, most people don't even know what that means. So we're really trying to explore all of the corners of the queer community on this podcast. And the, the, the other thing that everyone has in common is that they're all from Chicago. They have some connection to Chicago at some point in their life. Um, but the first episode yes. is about the one, the only, Shea Coulee. Oh, she didn't come to play. She came to slay. <laughs> she she <laughs> slayed all day. So I, admission, I was not a fan of <gasps> RuPaul's Drag Race for like the first seven seasons. Oh,
2: actually, no, that, that's like just like me. I got oh, on okay. to Drag Race later too. Yeah. yeah.
0: My, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was like, I felt like the only gay person in the world who was like, I don't know. It's like too gay for me. You know, like I was still, I think I was still kind of coming out to myself at that point. I was out, but I was still exploring my own sexuality. And a lot of what was going on in RuPaul's Drag Race made me nervous. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to associate with that. Like I can't be connected to something that gay. And it wasn't until Shay's first season where, it, it was the final episode. It was the finale. Oh,
2: oh my God.
0: And, oh. and Shay's performance and, oh, gosh, who was the other person? Sasha Velour. Sasha Velour, who actually won. Yes. But that, that, uh, that, that lip sync off was, <laughs> like, so dynamic that it turned me. And Shay was a part of that. And the fact that right. we've had her on this podcast and I got to talk to her for well over two hours... Um, spoiler is, um, alert,
2: if you haven't watched that episode, um, Sasha does destroy... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shea Kool-Aid. She does.
0: <laughs> but good g- girl, guess what? Didn't stop Shay, did it? Not yeah. for one second.
2: Did not. And now she's a winner of All-Stars episode, All-Star season. So there you go. Which must have brought her more satisfaction
0: because the go and like become so close to the, the finish line, not win, go back, kick some ass. Well, Shea has now expanded their brand so, so far beyond just RuPaul's Drag Race. They have an album, eight that they released this year, which is incredible. They went on tour with the one and only Betty Who. And and we get into all of this, and I I was fascinated with their upbringing. I don't know if you were.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. That was really interesting, the parents being so, you know, what was it? Well, fathers from military,
0: the yes. moms. The mom was a minister. Yes. Minister, reverend. I'm not exactly sure of the exact term, but you know, ran a church. And then here comes Shay, who's like gay all day, quite yeah. honestly. I mean, that's what they said, right? Right. And they just flourish in this family. And it seemed like no one from their family held them back, which I love. And you're going to hear them talk about in this 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 episode, which I'm. It's the first of. It's okay to ask questions. I'm really excited. Uh, the one thing that I was really dying to talk to Shay about was all of the horrible energy that's coming at the drag community right, right. now, right? And, and and Shay really goes there and explains the situation from their point of view, which I really appreciated. And and that is one of the main reasons we started this podcast was to discuss what is happening in our country right now against trans members of our community, queer, drag stars, you name it, everyone feels under attack banning books. It's a scary time. It's a scary time for me. I don't know if you feel that way.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And they're just so, there's so much misunderstanding. Like, yeah. We should just talk and figure out what's going on with each other. Yeah. Let's sit down, have the discussion,
0: get to know one another because you find out We are the same. And I know that sounds trivial and you've heard it a million times, but it's just the truth. It really is.
2: Yeah. And then the other question that we asked, we weren't sure if we can ask this question, but Marvel. Oh, we go. Marvel. We go there. You know, they signed a lot of
0: NDAs, (laughs) but we we got to Shay. Shay Shay revealed some dish. Yes. And I do ask how to tuck. That's the
2: ultimate question.
0: If you don't know what tucking is, it's basically putting your junk in between your legs and pulling it back so when you get into full drag you actually look female presenting of some way and it's everybody has a different technique and i asked Shay what their technique was and and you'll be shocked by the answer like yeah. shocked yeah i'm still shivering thinking about I it. i mean right yeah. i don't think there's enough razors in the world quite honestly <laughs> anyway should we get into it let's do it okay here's Shay coulet okay
1: okay 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 okay
0: there's this memory I have as a kid putting on this purple dress that was in the play box in kindergarten. And I really loved it. Like I loved putting it on. I loved playing with the other girls that were dressing up. But then there was this something in the back of my head that n- I felt like it wasn't right. I don't remember if somebody said it wasn't right to me I don't um uh-huh. I don't remember my parents saying anything, but there was something in my body that was like, "I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this, huh. I wondered if you had a moment like that when you were young.
1: Before it was even clothes, it was makeup. Like that was what I was most drawn to was like playing in my mom's makeup when she was at work.
0: <laughs> that was yeah. always. Did she have a lot of makeup? Like, she my did. So
1: yeah, she did. So I was always just like, you know, playing around in these like colors, like trying to like figure out like how to apply different things and um that was like when i really first started experimenting and i remember it was terrible i remember looking in the mirror as a kid and being like this is not how it looks like when mom puts it on like you're doing something wrong but not in the way that i felt like guilty in the way that i felt like my technique was wrong right right that that was where the guilt was yeah it's like
0: (laughs) I was like, this should look better. <laughs> did your mom ever walk in, or did she
1: give you tips, or where did you ultimately learn? Oh gosh, and well, play with it. But I would say for, it really started a doing like theater and like musicals and plays. But I real I really feel like I started going like the extra mile when I started seeing shows like America's Next Top Model. I was always like really really curious. So then I started kind of like playing around even more when we were doing like uh plays and musicals and i remember i I, was like my sophomore year of high school it was like the first time i like highlighted and contoured instead of just like doing went into school with it or you this
0: was on the stage this was
1: like this was for like the stage but like when we did it you know all the kids were just putting on like their basic like Like foundation and powder powder. yeah a little bit of blush here but i was like contouring my cheeks and my forehead (laughs) and my nose you know my jaw and everyone was like i remember the kids being like whoa, you look like you're carved out of stone. Like, what did you do? I was like, oh, it's just like this little thing that I learned. I just, like, picked it up. And, like, I remember then just, like, seeing, like, the transformative, like, qualities of makeup, and it just grew in advanced like, sense. Were you were you out in high school? Or when did, when did you come I was, out? I was. I came out my sophomore year, like, uh, so, like, at the age of 15. That's incredible to me. Yeah. Where, where did you get that
0: you know, uh, bravery, really, because I feel like, I, you know, I was, like, way at the end of college, uh-huh. and it was
1: still hard. I always, to some degree, knew that I was queer. Like, even at, like, a really, really young... I would say, like, at age four, I knew. And, um, you know, like, children aren't, like, born in the closet. You know, they go into the closet because they they see how, you know people oftentimes like adults or even other children who are influenced by the adults around them who are saying that, you know, um, being gay or being queer is bad. So then you you go into the closet as a form of just like safety and protection. I'm just not a good liar. And I just could not, I just couldn't, it just was not, it was not, I, I just felt more liberated being honest about who I am And so, you know, I just came out and it was really just easy for me, honestly, because I felt like it just was like a a relief. Like I just got all this weight off my shoulders and, um, you know, the my the remainder of high school was like fun for me because I got to be exactly who I was and, you know, make no apologies for it. Did your family ever have
0: any issues with it? Mom, at dad, first, like, how was yeah, that because conversation? They felt
1: At first, my family was um, apprehensive because they felt like, oh my God, you're 15. How, how could you possibly be no. old enough to know? And I, and I was very, you know, clear and firm with them. And I was like, I've always known, you know? And I was just like, on some level, I know that you've known mm-hmm. for a long time too. Did, did they know
0: mili- your, your
1: dad was in the military? Yeah. Your mom was a reverend? yeah.
0: But they were smart, and I they, mean, I like...
1: was always, as we say, light in the loafers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really was not. I was not like the other boys on the playground. So I felt like it was very obvious. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I was just like, why are we even? Why, like, why are we even doing this whole like rigmarole? Like, I, I mean, we all know that I am special, yeah. and so like, I just need to come out and embrace that I am like not the same as everybody else, and that is okay. Didn't your sister introduce you to drag or, or to RuPaul's so, drag race? Um, yes, yeah. so my oldest sister, Ayana, she, well, it wasn't drag race. It was actually just RuPaul, you know, back uh. in the 90s because, like, you know, Ayana was like all about it. She loved RuPaul, loved the RuPaul show. So I was like, you know, about four years old, you know, when Supermodel of the World came out. Well, look here. I don't know if those two things are coincidental. R- me being... <laughs> me and... Because so I was just great. like, you know, I you know, knew when I was, was like around man. four. And now I'm putting the pieces together. RuPaul. Um, RuPaul <laughs> yes, <TV>. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember seeing RuPaul and being like, okay. I didn't know. Because I was just Did so you like... you know she
0: was a she? I, Did I just know knew what that it was? she was
1: different. And I yeah. knew that she was special. And so I just was like, I cannot articulate what I feel like I'm seeing, but I know that I see a piece of myself in that.
0: So, okay. So what I'm interested in is meeting an idol like that. Someone you look up to, I imagine Rue was a role model mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. whole life, especially yes. when you get into drag mm-hmm. and you're auditioning for a Drag Race. Yeah. When you meet the person and then the, the facade is gone, mm-hmm. what is that? What, how did you feel walking away from meeting Rue?
1: It just was immediately comfortable and familiar. I literally felt like (laughs) RuPaul was like this old friend, you know, that I hadn't seen in decades, even though at this time I was only like 27 years old. All of the anxiety and the nerves that I had about meeting this person I have looked up to forever was, they just immediately disappeared because RuPaul has this ability to be just so disarming because RuPaul is just so like warm and friendly and funny and engaging and just, you know, really a magnetic person. And I just immediately felt so comfortable. I loved going through the process of filming Drag Race, not once, but three times, you know, and watching each time the way that RuPaul commands a set, you know, as a host, as an executive producer, you know, as like a mentor to the girls. It's, you know, RuPaul wears a lot of wigs, so to speak, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it's really, it's really, really, really amazing to watch, um, someone do that at such, a uh, incredible level and with um, just like such a sense of like love and devotion to this amazing subculture that RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race has created. Do you feel the pressure of the queer community? Do you feel,
0: you? I would imagine you have a balance of uh-huh. it now, but in the beginning, did you feel like, I need to be like this and I need to say that and I need to be well-read in every
1: letter of the queer community? Yeah, Do you feel I get, that? Well, I feel like, if anything, I just felt like I had a responsibility um, to just like my community that like I felt a responsibility to to like represent and like show you know like this is what this community is able to produce and put out there on the world stage as like their like their type of drag, like what is Chicago drag, and that was kind of like what I focus on the most.
0: There, there's not a sentence that isn't Shake and Chicago. Like it, you, everywhere you go, someone mentions Chicago. Uh, yeah, so, you,
1: so you've extended the brand. Absolutely, that was- that's important. I mean, anytime someone thinks that I don't live in Chicago, I'm like, this. I'm like, excuse, yeah, you know, I don't know how like how many times I'll be in LA and someone's just like, you live here now, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm like, that's no shade to LA, but I'm a Chicago girl.
0: You've been such an advocate um, and spotlight for the non-binary community. Um, I wonder, have you gotten a, a sense of that impact that you've had on your fans? And I we got to talk to some of your fans yeah. uh, when you performed, and it, it seemed to be very special that you identify in that way and are a voice for that part of the community.
1: I think, honestly, all I seek to do is to just live very honestly and very truthfully. And as I start to learn and understand myself more, you know, I share that um, with my fans and followers all around in hopes that, you know, it allows someone to feel represented, you know, the same way that I was able to like see myself in RuPaul when I was four years old. I want to be able to like live my life as an example that allows you know other young queer people to be like, oh my gosh, hey, here's an example of a creative, black, queer, non-binary person who's out there doing what they love. I can absolutely go out there and do the same thing too. How did you navigate the business part of all of this? Because it's one thing to
0: be popular, it's one thing to win, win RuPaul's Drag Race, it's another thing not to go broke and yeah. just blow it all. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess the first thing was I just knew that I wanted to, A, be a homeowner. So I just immediately started just, like, saving money. Like, you know, when I first started, like, making Rue Girl paychecks, I just started saving them. I stayed in the same apartment paying still like maybe like six hundred dollars a month in rent oh where's that rent? Like, oh that's for <laughs> oh, my share, share. I had a roommate. Oh, no, okay. oh yeah <laughs> but you know it was like my way of being like okay like let me just like save this money and pay off these student loans you know so i was like that was part of it too so um i feel like as far as like the business part of it is concerned i remember meryl streep saying You know, people will act like it's improper, but, like, ask what other people are getting paid. And, um, you know, I just started getting, like, really inquisitive so that I could, like, compare and contrast to, like, contemporaries in the business that were doing similar work and be like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm still claiming, you know, a rate that is competitive, you know, and um, finding ways to just be smart with my money and, like, you know, repurpose things in ways that, like... I still use drag from like years and years and years ago because I'm just like, girl, let me just shake this off. You know, they haven't seen this in a while. Let me throw some new shoes, a new wig. It's going to be a whole different thing, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, for me, it's just like important to try and make smart decisions so that you can have as much longevity as possible.
0: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Start your confidence journey today with bite. Tell me
1: about 8. Okay, so... 8 must be your baby. It is my baby. Um, because I really... My experience songwriting really was only doing, like, little mini-challenges and verses on RuPaul's Drag Race. Though I had a history in, like, doing musicals and, like, performing music, um, finding my own voice was really a challenge. And so it really is an exploration and also I feel like an amazing um, example of like who I am and like what it's taken to get here and it really just borrows from a lot of my fondest like memories and experiences like just like the first types of music that I remember listening to. So stop there. What was that? Because your mom was a, a reverend. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So
0: was it church? Is that where you first connected to music? Or I mean, before absolutely. That? Was it when it came
1: to performing music, church yeah. for me was like the first place that I really started to learn how to like perform music, like learn how to like sing in the choir, like hear harmonies and like melodies and you know just all of these things and and. Um, that was definitely one of the first examples. And then my dad, he had like a really big record collection. So, you know, we would listen to a lot of Motown and jazz and disco. And then my siblings who were much older than me were like into like nineties R&B and hip hop and, uh, uh, house music. So I had like all these like really interesting influences all at once. Like as a child, when I really first recall, like experiencing music, so I kind of just like wanted to go back to like the core, you know, and just like explore all of those sounds for this album. How many songs did you write for this? And they were all yes. perfect. <laughs>
0: so going on tour like this, Nation is in a very weird place, right? Uh, like, uh, yeah like you're talking about you learned your music from the church Uh and and now we've got people banning drag queens exactly from the church it's like how ironic is that yeah um on this tour what are are you thinking about that um and and the way the
1: country is at this kind of a crossroads it it feels like yeah the country is definitely uh a crossroads right now and i feel like what's most important for me to do is to go out and just be my most authentic self and to show that um, I'm not a threat to anybody that actually all that I intend to do and all that I know that I do do is just like bring light into like the world you know what I'm saying it's just important to go forth and just like bring people joy and inspire them I know that like growing up I had so many conflicted feelings because like there was so many um People that were trying to teach me to hate myself, and when I decided to go the opposite way and go on this whole journey of like self-love and exploration, it's really when I found like myself and my own confidence, and I wouldn't give that up for the world. So, and to think that people are trying to take
0: that joy away from kids, yeah, or 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 anyone—not not not necessarily kids, but just anybody. I know is heartbreaking to me
1: it is but you know what we are a very resilient damn right we're not going anywhere we've been around since the dawn of time so i just know that this is like a phase where we are just going to have to be really really activated and proactive against all of this legislation and just like work really really hard to ensure that we still have like our freedoms and our liberties because we are Americans too. God, God bless <laughs> America. You know. You,
0: I was listening to an interview with you and you said you wanted to be done touring by 40. You said this a couple years ago. Now we're getting closer to 40.
1: Yeah, but What are you, you talking st- about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I meant 30. Time is we're going to burn. <laughs> 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 Not looks wise. I didn't see <laughs> you
0: um, how do you feel about that statement now? I, I was shocked that you said that because I was like, 40, that's early. Oh,
1: because it's, uh, okay. Girl, I'm 41. Here I, okay, here I am just being like, okay, um, uh, this drag hurts, you know? It's like the, yeah. the corset and, like, the heels and, like, you know, the wigs and, like, the, the like, stage like, hoof. I feel like at that point I wanna be on like T V sets. Like that, okay. that kind of instead of like, you know, bus club, another club, that kind of like grueling no, no, I will be so exhausted. I value sleep. Like I after having the opportunity to be on like a scripted series and have kind of like um, you know, like five AM to five PM work mm-hmm. schedule, it's actually quite nice and probably a bigger paycheck yes so you know I'm like that's where I'm trying to make my transition to having like you know a lovely day in my trailer and then going to set filming you know a couple scenes and going back home and having something that's like really just kind of like steady and consistent like you know that kind of schedule
0: so I imagine the show you're talking about and I know there's top secret Marvel's got you on lockdown (laughs) but is Ironheart yeah Okay. So I know we can't talk about it so much, but I wonder how you grew as a performer from that experience. Uh, Because, I mean, you were a a series regular. You were in the show. It
1: was um, really intimidating at first to go into a Marvel series series. Did Um, did you know about Marvel? But, like, are you a Marvel fan? Yeah, yeah. so, like, and, I mean, I became even a a deeper fan because there's so many connecting storylines. So I was just like, I really got to go on, like, a deep dive because there's all these little Easter eggs and, like, hidden little hints here and there that, like, come up in different, like, movies and series. So I really, really went um, on a deep dive after getting cast in the show. And it was... So much fun because I was concerned about being the greenest person there. Like, as far as experience, it being my very first experience, I needed to rely and lean on the other experts and more seasoned professionals that were there to just kind of like, you know, help me get up to speed. It was really, really special. Do
0: we see like an amusement park ride in your honor from your character? I mean, friend? I hope Do we ne- so. Do we negotiate <laughs> I that? I hope Do we so. Negotiate that? So, you know, we live in a city. We're so lucky. We live in a state that embraces drag right yeah. now. So many states right now are leaning in a different direction. Mm-hmm. That scares me. It makes me nervous. Uh, it's the reason I rushed and got married last year because I was scared the Supreme Court was yeah. going to take my right to get married away. I wonder how you're feeling in this moment and and what your thoughts are about the state of the drag community and, and, and what people need to do.
1: I feel activated um, because all of these conversations about drag queens, you know being a threat to children's safety is just so asinine, it's so lame, it is so transparent. The way that these conservative politicians and and pundits want to try and make drag queens be the scapegoat for what we know is a lack of gun control. Um, The number one threat to children's safety is guns. So, you know, once we stop being, you know, affected, well, I feel like once we call out the smoke in the mirrors, that uh uh republicans and the gop are using by trying to scapegoat drag queens the sooner we can get to the real issues at hand which are you know stricter gun control laws and and being able to create food security for children and have clean drinking water in places like flint and jacksonville mississippi like these are real issues that are real, actually affecting children issues. So I feel like we should focus on that and like leave me and my art and my freedom of speech alone.
0: What are the conversations you have with your your other queens, your fellow queens about this?
1: Honestly, we're just, you know, lifting each other up and supporting each other, Um, especially like our sisters that live in states that are, you know, actively targeting LGBTQ people, mostly Gender nonconforming and trans individuals with these just incredibly just incredibly terrible laws when when I hear that people are thinking
0: drag queens are coming for children, and I'm listening to you talk about how tired you are and how exhausting it is. It's like that is the last thing. It, like drag is actually not that sexual when you think about it because you are strapped, pulled, tucked. And then, like, the last thing you want to do is anything like that, right? You want to go home, go to bed, take
1: your off. Exactly. It is a series of just, like, hooks and pulleys just, like, holding everything together. Like, I mean, try and even find a body part anywhere that is remotely yeah, sexual right? Everything is just, like, wrapped in, like, tights and lycra and sofa cushion foam. Like, it's impossible. It's ridiculous.
0: So, I I, th- I applaud you. I, I mean, and I I do because, like... It's people like you. We can't stop. We got to keep looking forward. And I, I love your positivity about that, about yeah, it. I, really I really feel, feel that we've because we you know, can't let it get you we've down. We've
1: always been here. We're not going anywhere. Like that's the thing. We've always existed. We've always been here, and we're going to continue to persevere. And like I said, you know, these politicians need to focus on the real issues. If you don't want children coming to drag shows, then you know, make child care affordable. Right. So that, that the parents don't have to bring them with them. Like, you know, there there, there, are, there are so many other things that you can do that, you know, can prevent these innocuous situations where, you know, drag queens are uh, uh grooming and 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 sexualizing young children. It's just it's not happening. So let's focus on the 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 real solutions to the real problems. Now I want to play a game with you called
0: Nip talk. So <laughs> this is what it is. Basically, we take a nip. We've got your favorite, what's your favorite tequila? Oh,
1: it's um, Res- uh, Casamigos. Uh, Casamigos uh-huh. Respirado. Yeah. Reposado. I like, like it Respirado. Fascinized. It's giving me like deep breaths. <laughs> re- <Respirado. laughs> so what I want to do is we're going to take a shot right now. Are you going to finish it? <gasps> So, funny thing about Nip Tuck. Okay. Nip Tuck was a show. It was a show. By Ryan Murphy. Mm hmm. And the reason why this show is so important is because when we were talking about um, me coming out when I was 15, Nip Tuck was actually a huge reason why I came out. Because while we were like on the subject of like trans and gender non conforming people, queer identities, There was a storyline where um, Sean McNamara's son had had a relationship with an older woman who was a life coach for his mother, who he later found out was like a trans woman. And uh, he was like, but I don't identify as gay. And he had a grandmother who his mom's mom, who was a, a psychologist. And she goes, well, so what if you are? And she goes, "Would you rather live a safe life or an authentic one?" And I remember it's literally just a scripted drama, but those words just like struck me. And I remember that being like a major turning point in me deciding to be honest with the people in my life about identifying as queer. So, what? How old were you? Fifteen. So we didn't even have any idea that there was
0: this connection when we came up with this game. So what it is is I wanted to take a shot before I heard how you actually tuck. Cause I really, you know, I know that you put the junk between your legs, but I don't know anything more than that. So I'd love like a step-by-step. Like what do I, if I really wanted to tuck, what do I have to do?
1: Okay, so what you would have to do is first, there is a creed that all drag queens take in which they swear before rupaul and the judges of drag race that they shall never dispel the secrets of a successful tuck are you serious i'm serious it is magic that is only it is it is it is only bestowed upon uh, the fiercest queens in the land i've literally i've
0: literally got duct tape here uh-huh I was
1: ready to go you were ready to fool you know? and I did not know i thought it was, i didn't know it was a secret
0: <laughs> I, was, I, I was ready to go, go. i was ready well, to, if like, it drop wasn't it. a secret
1: wouldn't you know wouldn't i know
0: okay <laughs> well, be, what if I give you more liquor
1: more nips would it can we get more nips for Shay? Yeah, I mean look I'll take another nib but, but, it, but it won't, it
2: won't.
1: <laughs> All right, there goes that game.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what I want to know. And I this isn't even about the cameras. Just before you go, because I keep forgetting. When they are doing the commentary on RuPaul's Drag Race, are those scripted, like as Carson and Ross, are those scripted and planned a little bit before? Or is it truly off the cuff?
1: Um, both. Okay. So we walk the runway just like one time with the music, we just do like a straight And pass are they there? And they're there. They are there the so whole time. So they're watching you and then they'll like write like a little soundbite for themselves. Like, you know, their first impressions of your look. And then you come back, you walk it again, no music. And then they say all the things of this. So you hear everything that they say about your look. So sometimes when it's like really, really funny, it's you're really trying your hardest not to like crack up. Like, I remember, and I, it actually was like uh, he was on, he was really on a roll. It was the first episode of season nine, Ross Matthews, when wow. I was wearing my hot dog headpiece. He just oh, started just it was magic hitting off all magic. these hot dog puns, and I was really trying to like not laugh, but it was just so great, you know. He's just like, oh, the competition better catch up with her. Right. They must turn about her. Like, it just, and he was just all like, I can't tell myself. It was really great. That's why I, I had to ask because I'm always like, they- they're too perfect. These humans are too good. On point, uh-huh. th- that
0: It can't be they're just coming up with it in the moment. But then, like, sometimes right.
1: they do. They literally just, and you can tell when they do just kind of, like, shout one out because that's when, like, everybody else starts, like, really cracking up because they weren't expecting it. It was literally just like a... Uh, an off-the-cuff little response about the outfit. Those I are the ones that are always really fun. It's, it, that's my favorite part <laughs> yeah. of the show. It's yeah.
0: like just magic.
1: Would you go back again? Oh, my God. I don't even I, know I, could you? there's a, Yeah, could I? Is there any context in which I could? I don't think so. I think, I, there's I, always I think I've context. exhausted every option and avenue possible um, at this point. Um... <laughs> Does that
0: make you sad though to not to think about like you'd never go back um uh,
1: I feel like in in the ways it does because like the show was so much fun to make um and I just like had a blast making incredible, just memorable t v moments with queens and people that I really look up to um uh, but if not as a competitor, in some aspects, sure. You want me to come back and give the girls like a, a lesson in something, yeah, yeah, or something yeah, or like yeah. anything like that, then I'm totally down for the get down. You need someone to be a consultant on something, you know, call me, hit me out. It's a big family. They, they know when they need you. And, you know, if RuPaul needs me and she gives me a call, then I will definitely take a look at my busy schedule and see if I can pencil her in. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there'll be a
0: Marvel edition. Marvel? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Shay. Shay Kool-Aid. Oh, Shay, I mean, what a great way
2: to kick off this series. Absolutely. I loved how she never shared that secret with you. I was so... (laughs) I really was. I was like. We brought the duct tape and everything. I
0: know. I was ready to do it. I know. We kind of tricked you at the beginning (laughs) pretending like she was going to share some secret. But uh, no, it was funny. It was great. What I truly the takeaway for me was their resilience. Yeah. They are not defeated by what's going on. The laws that are coming up against the drag community. And that it, it was I could see it in her eyes. She's like, okay, try, try and come for us. Right. And that's the kind of leadership we need. Absolutely. Because drag queens are always the leaders of the queer community. A they, lot of times. I, they, yeah. And particularly black drag queens. Absolutely. Right? They have been the uh the trailblazers for so many of us. And Shay continues to do that. Thank you, Shay. Thank you to their whole team because they really stepped it out for us and uh, gave us some great access to that concert. You were backstage with Shay. Oh my God. And what's so great is that if you want to watch this episode, you can actually do so because it's a TV show as well. We're not just a podcast. The podcast is great because it gives you an extended version. But if you want to see how beautiful Shay is in this interview, you can go to NBC and search. It's okay to ask questions. Mm-hmm. and also we want you to continue to listen to our podcast so please write a review if you're inspired to do so subscribe because we have a lot lot more fun coming your way oh
2: so many good ones
0: all right and ds is sticking with me by my side thank you
2: ds this was our first episode congratulations it is thank you for making my podcast debut
0: <laughs> <laughs> is this your debut
2: um, I was start a pro wrestling. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. We'll get yes, it. Yes. DS is very into pro wrestling. Okay. <laughs> we hope you have a wonderful day. And just remember, it's okay to ask questions. Hell yeah.